November 9th, 2016. I'm your host, Kellen Conley, and this is Hyphen Nation, the world's greatest podcast. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. I, um, It is a day after a day that will live in infamy. And we're going to talk about that. But first, I wanted to talk about other stuff. (laughs) And by other stuff, I mean other stuff. I'm really adjusting my mic level there, so bear with me. Episode 22 of the show. 22 episodes. (laughs) I'm... I am in a weird place, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sure a lot of you are. I'm sure there are a lot of you out here... Who might listen to the show and be like, I'm totally cool with what happened last night. I wanted this to happen. And that's fine. But we're not getting into that right now. First and foremost on the podcast, and for hyphenation is the world's greatest podcast. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take that title right there. World's greatest podcast. You know how Fantastic Four when Marvel cared about them used to put on top of their magazines, the world's greatest comic magazine. That's exactly what I'm doing here. Hyphenation is the world's greatest podcast. Get at me, bruh. Bruh. (laughs) On that note, there's uh, some new eh, pretenders to the crown, so to speak. Podcast competition. See, let me let me break it down for you. Years and years ago, here in Morgantown, when I first moved here in 2003, there was a morning show called the Eric McGuire Morning Show, or Eric McGuire, Kevin Connolly Morning Show, starring Eric McGuire and Kevin Connolly. And I came to Morgantown two years later, I got into radio, having grown up on morning talk shows and sports talk, shout out to Papa Joe Chevalier, RIP Papa. (laughs) Ironically enough, it's Bite Me Wednesday. And if you don't know what Bite Me Wednesday is, if you don't know what Papa Joe Chevalier used to do on Wednesdays, he would have his callers call the show and essentially say whatever is getting on their nerves. Just say, bite me. That was the whole plan. 
I'm not going to say bite me to anybody right now. Back to the original topic. Eric McGuire and Kevin Connolly, their morning show was on for years and years until Eric retired from radio and it just became Kevin Connolly. And then there's some turnover. Main thing here is I never liked their morning show. Thought Eric was an asshole. Thought Kevin wasn't that funny. Yada, yada, yada. Plus, the more people that would find out my name, like, oh, like Kevin Connolly. No. No. <laughs> Not at all. Had a morning show for years on WVAQ. Eric retires. Kevin keeps the show. Eventually, he brings on Adam Atris and Sarah McGuire. Sarah McGuire is Eric McGuire's son. I think Sarah McGuire is awful at broadcasting, too. She might be the nicest girl in the world. Never met her outside of hearing her on the radio. But she is terrible at radio. Terrible. So for years and years, her and Adam and Kevin Connolly would carry on the Kevin Connolly Morning Show on WVAQ, and it was still bad, and I still hated it. Probably September or so, seeing all these messages come across my Twitter feed, people talking about, oh, they're they're pushing out Kevin Connolly and yada, yada, yada. Of course, I think this is great. I'm all for this. Apparently, Kevin had been taking classes and getting his law degree. VAQ was looking to make some changes. So instead of waiting until Kevin finished his law degree like was the original plan, they decided to shut down the show early and give it to everybody. So Adam Etris went on his Facebook, said what happened. Kevin was gracious about it. I don't think Sarah said anything because Sarah's awful. <laughs> Eventually, this guy named Jack Loger comes in. It's now the Jack Loger Morning Show. It sounds even worse than Kevin Connolly, believe it or not. And it it sounds like, you ever see that Family Guy episode where Brian and Stewie have the radio show? It sounds sort of like that with maybe a little bit less of the sound effects and the sound clips and things like that. Anyway, and guess who else is on? The Jack Loger Show, after losing their job oh, a week and a half before, supposedly. Sarah McGuire, still awful as ever. Now, some of you might be listening, but like, I really like Sarah McGuire, or I might really like Kevin Connolly. I really like Adam Etris. If you do, good for you. But as the greatest podcast in the world, I need to say some things. Those things being... Adam Etris has started a podcast since he got let go from VAQ. I don't care how funny, how witty, how many mornings you spent listening to Adam make dumb jokes on VAQ on your morning drive. You're listening to the wrong podcast. I'm taking shots. No to the Adam Atrius podcast. I don't care if there's video. I don't care who's on there. I 
and bringing the best podcasting in Morgantown. To my second point, apparently Eric and Kevin decided to get back together and record a podcast, and they have a website for this and everything already? Ready to go, Eric and Kevin podcast, yada, yada, yada? No. Hyphenation is the greatest podcast in the world, let alone Morgantown. So no to Eric and Kevin podcast. No to Adam Etris. I I welcome competition. Maybe I've been listening to too much Drink Champs, but I welcome anybody to come at me on this podcast microphone and be like, oh, his show's really boring. His sister, and you tried to tell me who's bringing content to a podcast right now, like I am doing, because I'm the greatest podcast in the world. I am doing it on a major level with very little effort because I was born to do it. So, all you new podcasts popping up because your little radio thing got ended. It's not for you, bruh. Go back from whence you came. Because Hyphenation is the greatest podcast in the world. I may be feeling myself a little too much right now. And it's only nine minutes in. Fantasy football, next topic. For many, many, many years now, I have been playing fantasy football. I love fantasy football. And I used to think it was as simple as just picking your team and seeing what happens over the season. Good luck. Well, something happened a few years back because I ended up with Julio Jones. And A.J. Green on the team. This is like... My years may be off. But I feel like it's like 2012 or something like that. My team was so... Dope. One of the best teams... In... The league. All year long. But I didn't know what I was doing. I was just riding how great these two guys' seasons were. And I had a couple other things that was working for me too. So what what did I have to do? I ended up not winning my fantasy championship. To that point, I'd only won it one time in 2007 when I rode Tom Brady's greatest season. I am ashamed of it as a Raiders fan. But I rode that 2007 Tom Brady season to the championship. It was a great year. You gotta excuse me. I have a little, little bit of a clogged uh, nose, so to speak. But I was really sad when I wasn't able to not win, so to speak. No, it, it, well, it was win when I lost. Like I was like third place or something, second place, whatever it was. So I came back next year. I'm thinking, oh, all I got got to do is draft Aaron Rodgers, so-and-so, get these players. I struggled so bad in 2013. So bad. 
injuries. I think I was here and Rogers broke his collarbone and I kept waiting and waiting and waiting for him to come back. He never came back until after the season was already lost for me. So that's when I started taking fantasy football serious. Now let me break it down for y'all. Fantasy football for some is a year-round thing. Fantasy sports is now a year-round thing thanks to Daily Fantasy. Which I'm not that big of a fan of Daily Fantasy. But what has happened is in order to be competitive in fantasy football, you have to put the work in. You can't be like, oh, let me just see what players fall into my lap and then I'll start my lineups every week and make sure that people's playing. Sure, if you just want to have some, I guess, fun. I guess that's fun. I care too much about winning since I'm the greatest podcast in the world. Okay, I promise. I'm going to stop. I care a little too much about winning to be that way. And when I say that, I can't just throw something out there and not know what my return is going to be. That's just not how it works. That's not that's not how any of this works. For three years now, let's see, 14, 15, 16, yes. I have started working in August and doing mock drafts. I mock draft now, like the past two years, I've literally done it for a week, and I think I did it for like one weekend this year. The, the year I really got into it, I was mock drafting at least for like two or three straight weeks just to be ready for any kind of strange, I don't want to call it a strange thing, for any kind of swerve that would come down that draft pipeline so that I could uh, be ready to make my next move. Once... The draft's done. You just kind of have to wait it out till that first game. So it depends on if you're, if you're, if you have a late draft, and hopefully you only have like a week till your first game. If you do one of those early drafts in August, then you might have to go on the waiver wire early because all of a sudden some stud has popped up in a couple of uh, preseason games, and you feel like you can't live without him. Yeah, <laughs> game start, injuries start happening. Players get suspended. All kinds of things prevent them from being available for your team week to week. So you have to go to the waivers. And when I first came into waivers and understood them, it was always like, oh, well, it was set up where the worst team got the first pick on the waivers and it just went that way. Then it eventually became for my one of my the main league I was in, which is elite talent, which is the one I've been in forever. It became where. Um, you had priority. So once you picked up somebody at the waiver with a waiver, you had to go to the back of the line and so and so. So now every week after Monday night's games, I'm looking to see who's the hot waiver wire pickup, who got hurt, who is needed to um fill a spot, who who's a sleeper pick, who nobody might be looking for, or your whole league might be looking for, but you have way more a much better chance of getting them because your waiver wire position. Yeah, it goes down the rabbit hole. <laughs> and it go, it just keeps going. Waivers, games. You have your weekends where you start the right player and they go off. You have your weekends where you get blown out 
And then the person you left on your bench because you thought they wouldn't do well or they were kind of hurt. Or if you had been Roethlisberger last season and you were the emergency backup and you weren't supposed to play. And then all of a sudden, oh, Landry went down. Big Ben's in the game. Big Ben scores like 30, 40 points and he's on your bench. This is fantasy football. I won my first championship since 2007 in 2014. I won elite talent, won some money. Last year, I started another league with Angel and a couple other friends with smaller buy-in. I won that league last year. And this year, I'm in three season-long fantasy football leagues. I feel like I could still pull out. Uh, I feel like I could win at least one championship right now. I'd like to pull down all three, but realistically, I still think I can win a championship, and hopefully it'll be for money. Point that I just went into this whole fantasy football spiel. I am so mentally exhausted by fantasy football. Because there's so much work. And when you have taken three of your fall seasons and put all of your effort into football, like nothing, like you have this big thing that your life is dedicated to every single week that you have to think about several times a week. Fantasy football for me normally runs, I'll check it out, depending on where I'm on waiver wire, check it out Tuesday. Definitely Wednesday, I hit it hard. Like I just hit it. I just updated all three of my teams tonight with picks and made it. I actually um have a trade out there that got accepted by my friend Stephanie and my Gridiron Conglomerate League. So there's a lot of things in the works right now as we go along, and then from here it's like injury updates. Oh, so and so didn't practice midweek. Don't worry though, that's just rest. He's not really hurt. Friday, though, when you start getting injury reports on Friday, Thursday, that's when you want to worry because anybody gets hurt later in the week. That probably means they're not playing on Sunday or Monday. And so so you got to worry about the Thursday night game, of course, whether you want to take the chance. I don't have a lot of success with Thursday night games, so I try to avoid them unless it's one of my studs. A stud in fantasy football is a player that you must start no matter what. Um, So you always make sure that you do i.e. Julio Jones, uh, Tom Brady right now, uh, running back Ajayi right now. He's off. The, he's crazy. Um, uh, Forte used to be like that. Um, Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson for the Cardinals. Those are studs. So depend, may might have people playing Thursday night, might not. I tend to not watch the Thursday game too much, so I wake up on Friday and see how much I'm either behind or up. And then Friday, Saturday, I just kind of chill. Sunday morning is when you got to get on there and see when the reports start coming in and people start saying, okay, so-and-so's going to start. This person's not going to start. This person's supposed to get X amount of carries. This person should get this many targets in this game. And then... Pretty much from the time you're awake on Sunday morning until kickoff at 1 o'clock. This is your life while your life is going on. If it's not, you're not preparing enough. And then 1 o'clock to 7 o'clock. 
not even 7 o'clock, 1 o'clock to almost 8 o'clock now, is brutal, especially with NFL Red Zone. You're watching all these plays come in, these touchdowns and these big catches and players that are yours, players that aren't yours, players you're playing against, players that you have, but in another league, you're playing against them, so you're like torn between what they're doing. You have to deal with all of those things. And then by the time 8 o'clock comes Sunday night, you look at the scores, see where you're at. And then I normally don't watch the Sunday night game. I wanted uh, Walking Dead was on this past weekend. I wanted to watch some of the Raiders. I saw some of the Raiders game. Excuse me. I saw some of the Raiders game. But I watched Walking Dead and I fell asleep. Because I was out of town all weekend. I'll get into that in a moment. And so from there, I got up on Monday morning, checked the scores, and I knew it was, uh, I had uh, Shady McCoy for Buffalo going against Seattle's defense that night. I prevailed, and I beat my coworker. That was cool. He wasn't too happy with me, but he'll live. He's a big, he's a big boy. He's 21 years old. He'll live. He has a lot to look forward to. This episode is sponsored by Dr. Pepper, and soon this delicious beverage I'm going to be cracking open as we as we continue on. Mixtape King, B hyphen. That's my best DJ clue. In case you weren't sure, the hell I just did. So seriously, I'm really considering not doing fantasy football next year. Which would mean not doing the league I've been in for since 2007, maybe. Which would mean not doing my uh, smaller league I opened and then not doing any other leagues. And I'm already ready to stop doing Daily Fantasy. I'm that. Daily just doesn't do it for me. I, I, I prefer the week, the season long Personally, the daily's cool because your team can change at any time and you're not stuck with a broken or, or injured running back from week to week. No, you're not. But it doesn't mean that you're still not having bust because <laughs> anybody can bust at any time. So I really think 2017 NFL season will go on without me having a fantasy team for the first time in eons. Because I'm tired. I am so, so tired. Next topic. Real brief topic. Mid-season retirements in the NFL. We've had two of them. We had... (laughs) What's-his-face... For Miami, he used to play in Houston. Why is it not coming to me? We had Andre Johnson used to play for Houston. He retired from Tennessee midseason. Oh, Arian Foster. He just retired from Miami after his injury in Houston. And Houston, I believe, traded him to Miami. He played one decent game in Miami, got hurt was out for some time, came back, and then Ajayi took off and became a monster. And he's like, I'm done. I'm good. I hate midseason retirements. I hate it. 
because it feels like you they only did it so that they could play X amount of games and retire. Hate it. Career ending injury midseason retirements are fine, but I don't like midseason retirement. Like, man, you signed that contract, man. Even if you're not playing, even if you're not happy, if your back aches because you've been in the league for too long, you've had too many hard hits to the head, man. Just, just tell somebody and sit down and wave your towel for the rest of the season. Don't, don't midseason retire. It's not classy. And we here at Hyphen Nation are about classy. Next topic, Chicago Cubs. Make some noise for Chicago Cubs. And I only said make some noise because I've been listening to a Drake Champs. But if it's Drake Champs, there'll be like a whole bunch of people yelling and celebrating, noisemakers. And Nori be like, let's take a shot. And if 50 Cent was on the show, then Nori be like, 50, you petty. And 50 be like, I'm not petty. I want to recommend that episode. Episodes. If you listen to the Drink Champs podcast. Or if you haven't. Let's get 50 Cent. Part 1 and Part 2. You will not be disappointed. I've always been a big fan of 50. I love his interview style. I love... um. I just always like that he's always so upfront about everything. I mean... It never feels like he's mincing words or dancing around or trying to give the right answer. And that's what made has made 50, 50 Cent, essentially. So as a big 50 Cent fan, I just have to say, check out Drink Champs 50 Cent interview, part one, part two. And you'll see exactly what I mean. But the Chicago Cubs broke the 108-year-old curse. The longest curse in sports they broke it they did it I I I thought last year could be the year the Mets took them out though and then the Mets got taken out by the Royals the Mets fell off this year the Cubs did not they had one of the best teams in baseball they came through the playoffs pretty much with no problem and then they go down Lose game one, win game two, lose game three, lose game four. All of a sudden, to lose pivotal games. Pivotal games at home and be down 3-1 with one more home game to go. And we all know, if you're a fan of the podcast, and if you're listening to my voice right now, as you should be, you know how big of a impact the 3-1 was for the Cleveland Cavaliers against the Golden State Warriors. Ironically enough, the Cleveland Indians now had them 3-1. And now we kind of know what happened. They won at Wrigley, forced game six, back to Cleveland last Tuesday, forced game seven, and then game seven last Wednesday, the 10-inning monster that some are saying is a Maybe the best game of baseball ever played in a World Series. Maybe even ever. Cubs blow a late lead. 6-6. Starts raining in Cleveland. Rain delay. (laughs) The Cubs, who haven't won since 108 years, and the Indians, who haven't won since the 30s. Don't quote me on that. Maybe 40s. 
And of course, it's Cleveland, Believe Land, the same place where LeBron just brought them their first major championship. And the Cleveland Browns can't win a single football game in the same year. That Cleveland, brain delay. And then the Cubs come out, take the lead, take a two-run lead. The Indians get up there. The Indians claw back, get a run. And then finally, the grounder, the Chris Bryant, throws out the runner at first, and the Cubs are world champions. If I had been not on my so-called hiatus, I guess, and I had done a predicting the MLB playoffs episode, which would have been a segment, a topic. Remember the good old days when I dedicated a whole episode to the NFL playoffs? That's not happening this um, winter either. So, as much as I love my socks, they peaked at the wrong time. I forget how many games they won in a row in September, in August, September, but they peaked a few weeks early, and I knew it. And the Indians put baby in the corner and there was no Patrick Swayze to save our, save my socks. Took out the Blue Jays. I don't really have a problem with the Blue Jays other than when they're going against the Red Sox because they're in the same division as us. I once cheered for the Blue, Dra- Blue Jays in the 1993 World Series. I watched Joe Carter hit that massive home run that won the World Series in 1993. I was actually... Okay, this... I don't... My timing might be off. I recall watching this in Richmond, Virginia, but considering when the fall classic was, it was like, of course, it was October in 1993. It doesn't make any sense for us to be in Richmond around that time and me in a hotel room watching this. So I'm probably mixing up me watching some random baseball game in the summer of 1993 with seeing Joe Carter hit this home run in 1993. I don't remember where I was at, though. I could have been with Mom. Could have been with mom. Indians took care of the Blue Jays. Got to the World Series. Cubs did what they had to do. Got over. Got past the Indians in an even year. Or the Indians, the Giants in an even year. Because let's see, 2014 Giants, 2012 Giants. Everybody thought they were they they would pull it, follow, find a way to pull it out. Kept seeing something about Taylor Swift is going to guarantee the Giants win the title. I never really read that article, and I'm glad I didn't. But the Cubs made it. Indians made it. Had a hell of a game. And the Chicago Cubs are your world champions. Something that nobody probably ever thought was going to come out of their mouth in their lifetime. 2016, you are a crazy motherfucker. And I'm sorry if you're a kid and you heard that. If you're like, I really like this hyphenation show because he's pretty clean. Mom, check out this show. And then you're playing the show. And then mom's like, oh yeah, he's really nice. He talks about a lot of cool things. Yeah, he's still hip and intelligent. And he sounds quite handsome too because it's your mom talking. And then all of a sudden it's like, motherfucker. So, so sorry, mom. <laughs> I'm sorry. I really am. I went home this weekend. 
Home is Cape and Bridge, West Virginia, which is about two and a half hours away in the eastern panhandle of the state in a county called Hampshire County. I went home because November the 7th marked the one year anniversary of my adoptive mother, Bonnie Whitaker Conley, passing. She passed last year from complications from several ailments. She's out of pain and I'm very glad, but I knew I wanted to go home for that one year anniversary. So I left Morgantown about a little after six. I made a couple pit stops. Had to stop for some coffee because I was dead tired. And I really needed something to get me through the rest of my trip. So I stopped, got some coffee. That helped. Went by my old high school, Hampshire High School in Romney. And I actually watched a little of the football game. They were playing the Frankfurt Falcons. And they were up 14 nothing. And then they went up. They let Frankfurt score a touchdown. And I left. I never went to any of my high school football games in high school. I wasn't on the football team. I lived in Cape and Bridge, which is 20 minutes away from Romney, where my high school was. And I never, I never didn't have a car nor a license to go to a game myself. And I never was one of those kids that was like, yo, come pick me up and we'll go to the football game. Like it, it never appealed to me to go watch a high school football game. High school basketball, sure, because my dad was a basketball ref. So when dad had a game in Hampshire, I would go with him. But high school football, no. So I, for some reason, I saw the lights on, and I just went to a, a high school football game with Angel and our friends Wendy and Joe um, the weekend before. We we went up to Fairmont, watched some of about three quarters of a great football game. And I just wanted to stop and kind of look around and school seems exactly the same field seems exactly the same it was it was actually really cool to do that so get back on the road head home see my sister sabrina see dad we uh just hang out for the rest of the evening yada 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 next day sabrina goes home me and dad have to go in town because dad wants to drag me to Lowe's. Not that I haven't been to Lowe's enough, considering that I um, bought a house in June and I feel like I live in Lowe's now. Shout out to Lowe's. <laughs> this episode of Hyphenation is brought to you by Lowe's. And then the first thing popped in my head was the Home Depot slogan. We don't like Home Depot in the show, though, because of the way that uh, it treated treated friend of the show, Eric Greenlee. He's not a fan. He actually quit from there. So let me tell you what what this what my dad did. We go down the road, going down Route 50 towards Winchester, Virginia, where I was born and dad was born and where um, we moved from before we moved to West Virginia when I was nine. He stops at the gas station and he sees a sign on the on the gas pump and he's like. Free, free. Um, I think it was like free one liter with a. $20 gas purchase, I'm getting me a free soda. I'm like, Dad. Now, mind you, right now, he, he normally is drinking uh, the pure leaf tea or he has some Snapple tea, the peach tea that he's really into. These are the things I've seen him drink over the past few months. Not soda. But this man got so excited to go in here and get his soda. So he got his over $20 gas and went inside. And he's like, where's the free soda? I spent $20. And they just had Coke. They had Coke, Diet Coke, and Sprite. Dad's like, I'll take this Sprite. So he was so thrilled, <laughs> thrilled to get this Sprite. And I was like, 
dead. It's it's literally a one, one liter. I know it's free. And I know that you you earned that by spending twenty dollars. You paid twenty dollars for that one liter dead that you probably still haven't touched and is sitting at our house still. <laughs> but yeah, we went into Lowe's. Didn't have what they what we were looking for there. Um, go from Lowe's to. He took us into some kind of building supply place, uh, lawn supply place that was um, not far from Lowe's, more on the Berryville side of town. Couldn't find it there, so we ended up in Tractor Supply, which is exactly where his friend recommended we go when we saw him in Lowe's. He's like, "Hey, you're looking for a tire for your um, for your cart for your that you um, drag behind your four wheeler?" Yes, my dad has a four wheeler and a cart. <laughs> That man has morphed himself from a city boy into an out-and-out redneck, black redneck, I swear to goodness. (laughs) Go to Tractor Supply, find the tire, and then from there, we had to pay the toll. Now, a few years back, Winchester decided they wanted to build along Route 50 on the way out of town. Now, before when you left town, you passed what is Winchester Medical Center, and then that was it. There was nothing other than a couple store um, convenience stores on the way up to our house. Now, there's a Walmart. There's an IHOP. There, there's a McDonald's. The McDonald's been there for been there for like 20-some years at this point, if not longer, probably maybe 30 years. Because some of my... Uh, some kids I went to high school with used to work at that McDonald's. Let's see. There's IHOP. There's Walmart. I feel like there's some, oh, there's a Sonic. There's just all this new stuff that's right there that that wasn't there even ten years ago. Ten years ago, in a good number. Excuse me. One of the things they decided to put in was an Applebee's. And I'm not sure how it happened. I'm not sure when it happened. But my father is the mayor of Applebee's. And I don't mean any kind of Foursquare kind of Danny Connolly's checked in 49 times at Applebee's. He's the mayor kind of thing. And I know they only have Foursquare like that anymore. Foursquare hadn't been cool in like four years. Probably longer than that. Like five years for actual check-ins. And then they did the redesign like maybe... Four to three years ago, they made it awful. He walks in. My dad has been a high school basketball referee for since before I was born. That was his side hustle. He worked at uh, CMP Telephone, which became Bell Atlantic, which became Verizon for years and years, and retired from there probably about six years ago at this point. But he walks in like coach, like all the all the staff knows him, the manager knows him. He had friends meeting him at this place. He's like, "Yo, I'm coming into town." He's like, "I'll see you there, con man." And he came and literally stood by my father's chair. There was a chair on the other side of my dad that he could have sat in. He stood at my father's side while my dad drank his. My dad went margarita that day. Had a margarita, margarita and a half. He had a tall one. He had a short one stood by my father's side and held a conversation with him for a good 20, 25 minutes, maybe even 30 minutes. I mean, because we ordered some food. I had a delicious burger. Um, 
he went with the he always gets he always gets their salmon. He loves their salmon. Uh, he normally gets the sa- salmon with the with the rice is what he gets. There was a couple of gentlemen across the bar that knew him. I ended up having um, a little bit of sports talk with one of the gentlemen. Dad stepped out, have a cigarette. Like, oh, how you know, uh, Con- uh, Conman? I'm like, that's my father. And they're like, oh, that's your father? I'm like, sweet. You don't think I look like him. I appreciate that. It helps that he's super skinny and I'm a little bigger. <laughs> but, I mean, it is what it is, right? So if you're ever with me or with my father in the near future and you hear either one of us say that we need to stop and pay the toll, more than likely we're talking about stopping at Applebee's for either a drink and food and or food. And I don't know how this place became this, how he became the mayor of Applebee's, but it was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Like I'd seen it in pieces, but I really got to soak it in on Saturday. (laughs) So came back home Saturday. I got to meet my um, my nephew's daughter, Sailor. She's beautiful, beautiful baby girl. She's only three months old. He brought her up so I can meet her. Um, him and his uh, his girlfriend brought brought up the baby, and we um got to hold her for a little bit, and she drooled and she smiled for them a little bit. Then she got cranky because apparently she, I mean, she fell asleep in the car, and they brought her in. It wasn't too cold, but you know, she's a baby. She's only three months old. She's only been out for. Three months. <laughs> and then Sunday, we watched a little football. And then I got on the road and took the longest trip ever back home because I went 20 minutes to Winchester to get Popeyes, ate the Popeyes for about 20 minutes sitting in my car. Then I drove 20 minutes back towards my house and then the two and a half hours all the way back home. <laughs> So the two and a half hour drive turned into a three and a half hour drive. Whoops. But I had a very awesome time with dad. It was good. Um, Aliyah and Angel stayed home this trip because they made the trip um, in October for dad's birthday. And I try not to bring Aliyah and Angel when it's only going to be literally in and out because I, I was there for one full day two nights a day and a half and two nights essentially and that was it and doing that to a two-year-old is super stressful I feel like I also came to realization I need to kind of suck it up and still bring Aaliyah sometimes for those short trips because dad loves seeing her and she loves seeing dad but we won't get into it for a second so, my mother, Bonnie, passed away, and I've mentioned her on the show before, my I, my two moms, and I'm going to talk about my other mom, too, here, because um, I think it's important as we lead up to uh, the final topic, which is going to be about last night's election. Spoiler, my mother, Bonnie, started dating my dad when uh, I was really little. I always put it around four or so. That's when I, my memory started of it. Um, my sister Sabrina always says I was such a baby when I was so little and that Aaliyah looks a lot like me when I was a baby because she remembers what I look like as a baby and a lot of 
um, <clears throat> the media family also um, feel that way too about Aaliyah looking just like me. I mean, I, I see it in the pictures, but for them, it's like deja vu all over again, apparently. She passed away last year on November 7th after a long battle with mostly cancer and on top of other things. Um, I, uh, leading up to me finding out about all this, we, I hadn't really been in touch with her like that. I had gotten married in 2013 and then I'd only talked to her a few times on the phone and probably been several months since I'd actually spoken to her and it had been a while since I had been home. At Steve's wedding, I called home, couldn't get a hold of anybody, or talked to Dad. Then I talked to Sabrina, and Sabrina told me that Mom was sick. My mom had been sick since March of last year, and nobody told me. This is my own fault because I wasn't reaching out like that to find out. I wasn't making myself, I just wasn't around. Everybody knew how to get a hold of me, but I wasn't around, so why should it matter to me that she's sick is some thinking in mom's mind she didn't want me coming home because I was sick she wanted me to be there because I wanted to be there eventually I found out I get a call one weekend a couple days after my dad's 65th birthday that he isn't doing too well and somebody needs to take him to the hospital so I drive down and that's the first time I'd seen mom since everything had happened and surprisingly enough she was getting around really well, considering everything, and was it was the best she had been in the up to that point seven months of her ordeal dealing with her Ill- illnesses. We didn't talk much because whenever I would not talk to mom, mom would take it very personally because I was only her adoptive son, I was her son, honestly. And then also at one point I I was one of her best friends. And then for me, when I moved to Morgantown, that changed. And I never held up my end of the bargain as far as that went for me and her. And we had reconnected after I went to WrestleMania 28 for a few years. But then, like I said, after I got married and then shortly after Leah was born, I I fell out of touch with her. I never took Leah to meet her. Dad had met Leah a few times. He had driven up to meet her on Father's Day in 2014. We had stopped by with her in like October and Dad got to see her. But mom never got to meet Aaliyah while she was pretty much alive. But that whole weekend, while I'm down there with dad, it ended up being the same weekend that my other mom, my birth mother, Barbara, Barbara Elliot Beamer Walker, Barbara Jean Elliot Beamer Walker. <laughs> Elliot is her maiden name. Beamer was her married name when she married my half brother. Um, she never married my dad. And then Walker was her married name um, and my, the last name of my stepfather, Paul. She was in the hospital because she had called me 
And uh, it's probably the end of September. Got a hold of me and Angel saying that she really wanted to stop drinking. And she she thought that because she, she was she always had ENJ and Coke in her hand. She had came to realization that her drinking was killing her. She felt was what she felt, and she needed some kind of rehab. But every worse that she tried to get a help for going to rehab with, and was wasn't taking her seriously or saying that we don't take alcoholics and stuff like that. Like we'll dry you out, but there's no program. She called me one evening and we spent like a good hour and a half talking about trying to find ideas for her so that she could get so she could get better. And one of the last things she told me that night was she has to be around for her grandbabies, meaning my brother's kids and Aaliyah. And their grandbabies, because some of my brother's kids, I believe, are, are now parents too. I know they are. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not the best person when it comes to family. I swear, I'm not. And she, she they thought she had had another stroke because a few years back she had a small stroke, which wasn't so bad. And then I think she had another stroke, and that was the one that hurt her mobility. And she still got around like a champ. She really did. She wasn't by any means handicapped. She had some trouble in spots. I'm talking about mom like she was a golf game. <laughs> but there was, um, I mean, she, she one, of, one of my favorite memories of, of mom, of Barbara mom, not to confuse y'all. I, when I moved to Cape and Bridge, like mom would come and pick me up on the weekends, take me back to Winchester and spend a weekend when we bring me back. Well, eventually that stopped and then it started again, but then it stopped again. And eventually I got to the point where I felt like my birth mother, Barbara didn't want me. And so that's when I asked Bonnie to adopt me. And that's how Bonnie ended up adopting me. And that's how I ended up with two moms. <laughs> even though technically, even without the paperwork, I had two moms by that point. Because I didn't, it wasn't, I think I was 18 when we signed all that paperwork, maybe 19. <sighs> so yeah, the same weekend I came to check on dad, take him to the hospital. He was fine. They had thought, um, they take him on the doctor, like mom's brother, Johnny, my uncle, Johnny took her to the doctor. Like, no, everything's fine. She hadn't had another stroke or anything. Cause apparently she was really weak and just couldn't get out of bed and didn't want to do anything. And this is where she had wound up when she started calling us for help for the rehab and stuff. Well, something I, my mind is so foggy, but Paul called me one morning not that too long after that, and said, your mom is in the hospital because she, I couldn't, like, she was almost catatonic. I couldn't move her and took her to the hospital. And then slowly over the week she was in the hospital, she was getting stronger and better and talking. But she still had her bad moments, but she was I was talking to Paul a lot that week he said oh she's getting better she's getting better she sounds like Barb and other times completely gone but like towards the end of the week things were looking up 
So I go home and check on dad. I see mom for the first time. Mom Bonnie. And Aegis. And Sabrina. And then finally Monday comes. I, I called off Monday because I knew that I wasn't sure how long this hospital thing would take. This is a Sunday morning when I went down for dad to take him to the hospital. Monday, I mean, they gave dad a clean bill of health. Dad's feeling much better. So Monday, I'm getting ready to leave. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to go into Winchester and see mom because she's still in the hospital. I go to see her. And she's asleep. Most of the time, I, tr- I rubbed her hand, tried to wake her up. And she wasn't waking up. She's knocked out. So I'm thinking they got her meted up, something. So I spent like maybe 20 minutes, half an hour in there with her. And I was getting ready to go. So I got up. And I went to kiss her on the cheek. And I woke her up. And she saw me. She starts crying. And, uh. I mean, I, I talked to her a little bit. She couldn't really talk. She was having trouble swallowing everything at that moment. She had just woken up. She had throat cancer like the year or so before. So ever since she had chemo on her, for her throat and everything, she's had difficulty swallowing and scarring. And So I talked to her and I was like, yeah, I'm da-da-da-da-da. I wanted to come see you. You were asleep and I'm going to get on the road. I get back home to Lynn and Angel... And she wanted me to take take her with me. Like she put her arms out like she was a child, like Aaliyah, and wanted me to wanted me to take her out of hospital. Obviously, that wasn't something I could do. Could I? I don't I don't I don't even know if she was medically able to leave. Like, what would I have done? Brought her back to Morgantown and laid her on my couch? Like, you know? But she was, I told her I had to leave and I hugged her and I kissed her and I hugged her and I kissed her, I hugged her and kissed her. I told her I was so sorry I couldn't take her with me, but that I'd be back soon to see her. I'd see her soon. I'd talk to her soon. And I was, when I left, she was crying again, like really bad. And then I left and got in my car and came up the road. And I said something that <laughs> to this day haunts me. Despite the fact that mom was doing better than she had mom Bonnie in seven months, and despite the fact that mom Barbara was doing better in that week she had been in the hospital, and despite that sad interaction, and despite the fact that dad was doing better and he got a clean beer, clean beer of health. From the hospital. I came home. And I say something that I regret to this day. And that is. I looked at Angel and I said they're all going to die. Which is a factual statement. Because all of us are going to die someday. But I came home so despondent after. Seeing them all like this. And being so out of the loop with dad and mom and then with mom being in the hospital, mom Barbara being in the hospital and everything. 
And no, I didn't call them Mom Barbara or Mom Bonnie. This is just for the podcast purposes. They were always Mom. Always Mom. <laughs> I, I told her, I was like, they're all going to die. They are all going to die. And Angel's like, don't say that. Don't say that. I got home on a Monday. I was sitting in my office on Friday afternoon, like maybe maybe an hour to go before lobby close, half an hour. And I got a call from Paul. And I'm thinking he's just updating me on mom. So I call him. And hello. Hey, Paul, it's Kellen. This is returning your phone call. Hey, Kellen, this is Travis. Travis is Paul's oldest son. And Jermaine is his uh, youngest son. Mom and Paul never had kids together. This is one of those, later in life we found each other and it's good thing. One of those things. So, hey, it's Kellen. Or, hey, it's uh, Travis. Like, hey, Travis, what's going on? Um, Ma, everything okay? It's like, Kellen, I don't I don't know how to tell you this, but your mom's gone. And I was numb. October 9th, my mom, Barbara Jean, um, Walker, left and I was numb this happened on a Friday I went to the WVU tailgate the next day got trashed never cried didn't cry the night before Jonathan came and hung out with me that day everybody's like, oh you're okay your mom died I'm so sorry and I'm, I'm okay I'm fine I'm fine because I, I knew what was going to happen Sunday was fine Monday, I was home alone because I took bereavement. I think we went down on a Tuesday. And as soon as we got in Winchester, I just felt sick. Let's get to Winchester, check in the hotel, go to the house. First time I've been in the house and mom's not there. Oh, she's down at uh, Cartwright's. Or is it Oops? Knows car rights. Stand car rights. You should go see her. Um. So um. Angel takes me down to car rights in downtown Winchester, and I, I see mom, and I lose it. Absolutely lose it. Spend like maybe an hour there, and I just couldn't do anything except cry hysterically. Next day was a funeral. A lot, a lot more of that at the at uh, Mount Carmel at the church where the service was held. A lot more of the heavy tears. Dad came down because not even a few days after, I just saw him. I had to call him on Friday and tell him mom had passed. 
the woman he brought me into this world with was gone. And um, it was a rough day. Dad came down. Service is beautiful. Paul said, <laughs> Paul, Paul wrote her like a, 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 it was more like a story about how they first met, which I had never heard before. Then we took her over to the cemetery and then we, uh, said our final piece and then they eventually took her back and we weren't, I didn't stay for that part. So I just lost my mom, my birth mother. I found out on one year anniversary of her death that she doesn't have a gravestone. She's sitting in an unmarked grave. And I haven't had the guts to talk to Paul to figure out why and what needs to be done. So, roughly a month later, Maybe around the beginning of November, I get a call from dad. Hey, your mom's not doing too good. She's um in and out of hospital. Something happened, and she she doesn't know what's going on. She's out of it. She's not. She's not. Something's not clicking because she was always like even through her sickness, she was still there. She just was sick, and. She was in the hospital, and if I kept checking in, a couple days later, Dad's like, oh, your mom's going to come home. I'm like, oh, that's good. How's she doing? He's like, not good. Not good at all. So I'm waiting. Like, I don't want to rush down there just because she's sick. Like, I'm like, she's been sick for eight months at this point. This this might be something that's just going to blow over. I get a random message on Instagram from... Dawn who is um who my mom is like her mother her second mother because her mother Linda and my mom Bonnie were best friends and so today mom died and um got a message y'all you need to come down here I know that we haven't talked in years but your mom's not doing well and we don't understand why you're not here I got this like on a Thursday, November the 6th, maybe the 5th, and I woke up November the, no, November the 5th, November the 4th, something like that. I woke up November the 6th, my normal time was like 5 something in the morning, went to the bathroom, took a shower, came back in, Angel started getting up, I said, Angel, I gotta go home, I can just feel it, I have to go home. So I called dad and dad's like, no, don't, don't let people scare you into coming down here. Um, don't rush down here just because you think you're the worst and everything. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, he's like, whatever you do, it's up to you, but don't, don't feel swayed to come down here because, because they're, they're forcing you to be down here. Me and my sister, immediate family say I need to be there, but I, I, I just knew. I got through that day. I went home. Said goodbye to everybody. Hopped in the car. 
did a two and a half hour drive and mom wasn't doing good at all she um she was in this quick breathing like fighting to breathe kind of thing she wasn't on any machines but just fighting for every breath that was coming that she was that was trying to come and I made the right choice because got there and like everybody was coming in the house like saying goodbye to her because everybody like it's only it's gonna be soon and at one point she was gone but she's it was only gone for a few seconds she came back and it seemed like she was just holding on and holding on and we kept thinking to ourselves like oh well maybe there's some kind of miracle maybe like she's gonna fight through this and We were fooling ourselves. May, may, she, we kept saying there's some reason that she's not letting go. So Sabrina and my cousin Devin, they went outside to smoke cigarettes. I'm laying in bed holding mom's hand. And I take out my phone. And I show her pictures of Aaliyah. And I apologize for not having brought Aaliyah to see her. And once Angel found out how grave it was for her that week, she'd actually written a letter and sent it apologizing for me not being there and wanting us to, if there was any chance that for all of us to start off with a fresh foot, like me and mom and her mom. And I was mom's baby. She just didn't want me to be, not be her baby anymore. And that was always her issue with Angel. I showed her Leah's pictures and she's probably gone within 20 minutes. <sighs> so yeah, I went home because I want to be home and be around that what was left of what she left behind, so to speak. But it was a good weekend. But ever since October last year and November last year, life continues to never be the same. But it was a good weekend. With that said, <clears throat> I just, I just, I'm sorry if you listen to that and like, like, oh man, I'm listening to a grown man cry talking about his mothers. Like, I can't believe I'm listening to this podcast. This podcast has, I've been, this podcast is my outlet, is a thing. This podcast is meant to entertain Everyone who takes the time to listen to the show. But then it's also supposed to be my place to vent. To to let things off my chest. And I've not talked about any of that altogether ever at once. And I held it together. I know I was close some. But I held it together. 
So rest in peace to both of my moms. I love you both dearly and I miss you even more. Man. Next topic. (laughs) The problem with the voice. So what ended up happening over the past few months, and sorry if you hear me rubbing my nose on the on the spit guard, you might, you might not. I don't know. But real talk. Here's my problem with the voice. The singing competition is dead. American Idol pretty much killed it by its fifth or sixth season. Then it just got redone ad nauseum with X Factor. And America's Got Talent and the sing-off and whatever else other game show talent shows that they could think of coming down the pike. I was introduced to The Voice by my friend David Hill, DJ Prodigy. We were spending a lot of time together about five years ago. Getting, we had known each other for a few years, but all of a sudden we had a lot of things in common. We had time to hang out, so we kicked it off. And he's like, "Hey, have you seen this show, The Voice?" I'm like, "No, I ain't seen this show, The Voice." I mean, I kind of had, but he's like, "Dude, you need to start watching The Voice." So he started showing me some stuff from the first season. And obviously, the best part is the whole blind auditions. And normally, when The Voice first started, it was Adam Levine, Blake Sheldon, Christina Aguilera, and CeeLo. And it's morphed in different incarnations over the seasons. And now we're up to season whatever it is, season 11 maybe. And it's Adam and Blake. And instead of CeeLo, who left slash got fired from the show a few years back, or Christina, who actually won her first for the first time last season... We have Miley Cyrus and Alicia Keys. Now, that was enough to pull me in because, random fact, I am a, I'm not a stan, but I have a definite crush on Miley Cyrus despite her antics over the past few years. I always thought she was cute before she went uber short with the hair and started twerking. But I, I, I've always liked her, and then Alicia Keys is a goddess on the microphone and in real life, other than the fact that she stole Swiss, that she was the other lady in Swiss Beats' life. And that's a whole different topic. That's just my opinion. That's whatever, though. And while I don't think her music is as amazing as it used to be at times, like Girl on Fire, I never could get into it. It's not You Don't Know My Name, but... There's still a whole generation of fans who heard this girl is on fire and all of a sudden discovered who Alicia Keys was years after we first did when she dropped Fallen. So I was intrigued. I don't remember how. I don't know if I turned it on in the living room or what had happened. But started watching it. And you always get into it, especially the blonde auditions. So you watch all the blonde auditions. And the problem is they pick so many people for each team that you forget who's on whose team and who is who. Because American Idol had a lot of people too, but the whole idea of American Idol and why it worked is like 
they were getting you to a certain number. I think it was 16. I could be wrong about that, that they wanted to have. And then though they worked that, that certain amount of people for X amount of months leading up to the big finale when they would, when America would decide who won. That's what made the format work. There's just so many people on the voice that it's hard to keep track of who sings what. And then you see somebody like, oh, yeah, I really like this person. And as soon as they're done, you forget who they are. and You forget whose team they are on. So from the blind auditions, of course, they go into the battle rounds, which is always cool because it's like singing and duet, but it's against each other. And they've incorporated saves in recent season where other um, coaches can steal um, eliminated uh, team members from other coaches. So that's another twist that they introduced. And then from there, they go into the... Uh, crap. I can't remember. Because I know that they just started singing live this week. But it's it's just so hard with as much talent as come through that show. One, it's hard because they've never had someone really get big. Because Idol got super lucky in the beginning because it's like, oh, here's Kelly Clarkson. Um, and obviously Kelly Clarkson continues to be a megastar and I believe is still the highest selling and most successful American Idol person closely followed by Carrie Underwood. I mean, season two had Ruben and um, Clay, had Ruben and Clay, Ruben won course i think season two was the same season that jennifer hudson lost and of course jennifer hudson went on to win a grammy and oscar in the same year <laughs> way to go america we'll get to more on that little phrase later and um i mean it, the thing is like this american idol was building stars the voice doesn't build stars. Voice will build you a following, but there's nobody that I know off the voice that I can say, oh man, this is the most successful guy off the voice and I know this person. In fact, let's go to the old Googler. Let's see here. Most successful voice contestant. Here we go. Three contestants who made it big 21 hours ago. Let's see if I know anybody's name. It's from CheatSheet.com. Danielle Bradbury. Nope. No clue. Tsang Chin. Nope. <laughs> Cassidy Pope. Nope. They 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 don't make I don't want to call it hits they just don't make stars that's what I'm trying to say and as fun as the blind auditions are and then the format as you get along leading into the part where they're like oh well this is this is the live all this is the live rounds and so and so and so you need to vote America. This coach is saving this person who's moving on. Before you get into all that, it's, it's, the voice needs to take it down a notch. Here's my suggestion. They need to take the teams down. I understand that thousands of people go to these voice auditions every year. 
just like they still turned out in thousands for American Idol, uh, even up to the last season. Oh, random note, I found out Harry Connick Jr. has his own talk show the other day. Was that when I was watching uh, the, I might have been recording Hyphenation 21, but Harry Connick Jr. has his own talk show now. (laughs) And also is one of my dad's favorite uh, jazz artists, ironically enough. Like the CD he left me in the enclave that he gave me has Harry Connick Jr. music on there, which I think is phenomenal because dad's got great musical taste most of the time. The voice just needs to tone it down. They need to lessen who gets picked and they need to really focus on branding these, these contestants instead of being so much worried about here's a contestant. Oh, here's Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks is going to work with y'all. So instead of people tuning in to see how X contestant is doing, they want to see Garth Brooks say Garth Brooks things, which I don't really know what Garth Brooks says other than I'm not Chris Gaines. But if you don't get that, something's wrong with you. Not necessarily. And and the whole reason I I get to this point is because I was into the voice. I was into the voice. I was watching the voice. And now it's like not really watching the voice and could care less. Let me just flip it on real quick. I'm starting to watch Raw more. Let me see what's happening on Raw. Is the voiceover so I can watch Timeless. Which, if you're not watching Timeless, which is um the new show that's on NBC. I can neither recommend it nor not recommend it. I feel like I'm hate watching it, but I also really enjoy... How to, what the series is based on because essentially the idea is um, the scientists create a, a time machine and of course it falls into the wrong hands dun, dun, dun. so they gotta go so the guy goes back in history is changing history but luckily there's a prototype time machine that works just as well so you have these three ragtag heroes a soldier and a uh, professor and uh, somebody who actually knows pretty much is the pilot of the sh- of the ship, following the bad guy every week to death for destinations, and they try to figure out what he's trying to mess up and stop him, and they haven't been successful at all in like five or six episodes. <laughs> Something always gets changed, just a little bit, but then they come back and everything's okay, other than the major plot line of what is going on with uh, the professors, which is Abigail Spencer, um, her character's sister which I won't get into. So if you decide you want to watch it, you'll figure it out. I don't hate it. I don't love it, but I don't mind watching it. And I kind of feel the same way about This Is Us, especially once I figured out that they were all telling the story of the same family. Plus, I still have the biggest man crush on Peter Petrelli. And I know his name's not Peter Petrelli, but his real name is escaping me. Let me see how fast I can do this. Peter Petrelli. I always like the name, man. Like, I need to go back and watch Heroes again. Milo Vince, Milo Ventimiglia. Milo Ventimiglia. He was on Girl on Guy with Alicia Tyler. That's a recommendation. Girl on Guy, Alicia Tyler, Milo Ventimiglia. <laughs> He's very entertaining. Um, 
And honestly, I haven't seen him in much outside of the first three seasons of Heroes. I didn't even get to the whole third season. The first two and a half seasons of Heroes and This Is Us and then Rocky Balboa. But I've always been a big fan of his. And then that was one reason I tuned in. And of course, guy who won um, the Emmy for his portrayal of Christopher Darden and the people versus OJ Simpson is also on the show. And Mandy Moore is on the show. There's a, there's a lot of talent, man. It, I, I, it's, it's cornball TV. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's going to win Emmys or that it's must watch TV. But look, if you're looking for something to watch on Tuesday nights, especially since Atlanta's over and this used to be my lead in into Atlanta, it's on nine o'clock NBC. Check it out. You might hate it and be like, Kyphon recommend this to me for, or you might be like, Man, Hyphen really did a good job recommending that to me, which will probably be what happens. Peter Petrelli. Harry Connick Jr. Joseph Harry Fowler Connick Jr. He has a show named Harry since 2016. I just want to see his discography. I know that boy got some records. Let's see. Discography. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight, twenty-nine, thirty, thirty-one, thirty-two. He has thirty-two projects in his discography, including his most recent that is called that would be me from 2015. So if you're a Harry Connick Jr. fan, go go cop his latest album, That Would Be Me, right now. It's your favorite digital retailer. Or in Walmart or at Ear Food in Winchester, Virginia, which apparently still exists. Shout out to Ear Food. I'll try to lighten things up. I don't know if you can tell. After all that doom and gloom with my mom and stuff. Couple shout outs before we get into the final few minutes I'm gonna spend with you guys this evening. Marcus Robinson. Found out he has a great blog, markrob.wordpress.com, I believe is what it's called. Um he what uh, he's always had a Tumblr. He recently decided that he wanted to um start writing more. And so he started his blog and themarkrob.wordpress.com. And my whole conversation about Drake falling off actually inspired him to write a little column about how he would have um, sequenced uh, views from the six. And also just building on my um, argument that Drake is content with where he's at. Mine and Joe Budden's arguments, apparently. Shout out to Marcus for checking out the show. That's always appreciated. Shout out to Cam, Cam Wilson. I got a call um, at work the other day. Cam Wilson, he found out where I work. He's like, hey, man, I was calling to find out about something. And I helped him with that. And he's like, hey, man, you still doing music? Because Cam is a very talented, highly talented musician slash songwriter. We actually recorded a song together once that never came out. He has a song called Refresh that dropped in 2011. Just It's just Cam Wilson, Refresh. The song is amazing. 
it's free download too. So literally go Google Cam Wilson Refresh and check out this song. He called me up. He's like, oh, you do music anymore? I'm like, oh, you know, I want to. Mine's willing, but the time's not really uh, not really there. And he said, yeah, I understand. So I called him back out with a follow-up to what he was asking me about originally um, from, a, from a job. And then he's like, um, hey, man, you still podcasting? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm still podcasting. He's like, yeah, hyphenation. Um, you're in my uh, RSS. Um, you're in my pod reader whatever you whatever you kids call those things i i'm i'm he said i'm up on you man i I keep up with it man keep up the good work i've checked out a few shows so shout out to cam derek i'm gonna think this is actually supposed to be eric shout out to eric greenlee him and his wonderful wife nicole welcomed their second child into the world recently in the time between episodes 20 and episodes 21, now the proud owner of two beautiful girls <laughs> act like they copped them at their latest at the at the car dealership, at the little girl dealership. Congratulations to Nicole, better known as Miss Lady Blaze back in the day, and friend of the show, Eric Greenlee, who will hopefully be on again soon when his life returns to some semblance of normal. Also, Handsome Bane, y'all. Season 2 is coming. If you're not up on Season 1, just Google Handsome Bane. That's that's the brainchild of Eric right there. Make sure you stay up on that. And then last but not least, Michael Lamarick. I want to send you a special shout-out, buddy. Because I might have shouted you out on the show before. But I do appreciate how excited you get about all the new episodes. Because I posted this up in a few places on Facebook. And you were like, oh shit. You were like, oh shit, you post a new episode. And you always get so hype and you give me some feedback. I, and you, I, th- I think you mentioned something about ASAP Mob's new record being good to me, which I have not gotten to. That could have been somebody else from the group chat. But I appreciate you as well. Shout out to everybody who listens to the show, though. Um, of course, I would be here still making great content, even if you didn't want to listen to it. <laughs> but I do appreciate it, guys. Uh, just make sure that uh, you spread the word of the hyphenation because every time you spread the word, the hyphenation gets that much stronger. couple recommendations. That's right, I'm doing recommendations before I get into this. I'm going to tell y'all where to find the podcast before, too. I might have mentioned Serial Season 2. It is about... The deserter, whose name is escaping me right now, even though I just listened to all these episodes. Um, He got captured by the Taliban in 2009. He wasn't returned until 2014. Um, He was a soldier. He he went, he tried to cause a dust one um, by walking off base. He got caught. Um, Bo Bergdahl, yes. It's a very interesting season, but it has an anticlimactic ending because obviously... He was returned safely, and now he's court-martialed because they're going to finally decide what to do with the fact that he walked off base without, well, obviously without permission. I mean, he, he abandoned his, his platoon. And the season is very good. It's, it goes by really fast as you listen to it. It's a great story. But the last episode's kind of anticlimactic because they're like, all right, well, did 
is both the reason for these things happening, and that's it. So with that said, I'm going to take this recommendation for myself in the near future and get into Serial Season 1, which is actually about a murder that occurred in 1999 in Baltimore, and it's still so heavily debated that the Reddit for Serial um, had no content for pages and pages about Season 2 or Bo Bergdahl. It was all about Season 1, which of course now took place two years ago. Almost two years ago when I did season one. So season two of Serial and definitely season one. And I will also be joining you guys with that as well. I listened to Sign of the Times for the first time this week. Now as somebody who mourned Prince heavily. You may be like, you mother cusser. How are you going to get on this show and mourn Prince and say, oh, Prince meant so much to me when you haven't even listened to Sign of the Times. My experience with Prince was always very single-based. I've heard a lot of Prince songs. I have not heard a lot of full, complete Prince projects that isn't Purple Rain, 1999, Diamonds and Pearls, Emancipation, um... The hit and run phase one, um, that kind of stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. I am in the process, or well, in the process of going back and listening to the full projects, and I finally listened to Sign of the Times. My God, is that a good album? If you're looking for, if you're a Prince fan, or if you're not a Prince fan, and you're like, I want to listen to some Prince music, but I don't want it to be. 1999, Purple Rain. I don't want it to be that. I need it to be... I want to see something outside. Like, I don't want to start too early, but I want to listen to Peak Prince. If you're just looking for a damn good Prince project, Sign of the Times, 1987. Go cop that. I think you can get that on title now. And then the last thing I want to recommend is something that actually helped me get through today because I just wasn't in the mood to listen to my typical fare when it came to music like I didn't want to listen to like I was like I need something comfortable I don't want to listen to Jay it doesn't feel like the right the right sentiment I don't want to listen to Drake I don't want to be depressed I'm kind of mad at Drake right now, so I don't want to go back and enjoy his old music. I don't want to listen to Kanye. I don't want to listen to myself. Not to be that guy, but I do have myself in that pot on my um on my iPod. So I threw on Rihanna's anti album from earlier this year. I've always liked the album, but that album was the perfect distraction. So if you want if you're looking for the perfect distraction or you're just like, man, I never got around to that Rihanna album because I couldn't stand work. Well, you can skip work and listen to the rest of this album because anti is phenomenal. And I'm going to go on record to say it's better than lemonade. And I still haven't listened to lemonade. That's right. I'm working on going in 2017 without listening to lemonade. Can he do it? We shall see.
So you guys can find hyphenation on behyphen.com. All the episodes are right there. iTunes, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe and share. Let the world know that you listen to Hyphen Nation and are a proud member of the Hyphen Nation, the greatest podcast, world's greatest podcast, rather. Sorry. I'm not posting shows on Mixcloud anymore. Still on YouTube, though. So youtube.com slash behyphen or behyphen.com. That's it. I simplified it. If you type podcast.behyphen.com, it's going to take you to behyphen.com in the podcast section. Hyphen Nation is also on Google Play. It is on the TuneIn app. It is on Stitcher. Hyphen Nation is out here. Yes, sir. Real talk. Please continue to support the show. Tell your friends. The more you spread the word, the bigger this show will be. And soon we will be live. Doing this, I'll be doing a show live for you. And y'all will be sitting there watching me like, when's he going to say something funny? <laughs> He's normally funnier than this. When's he going to say something funny? I'm running off a two and a half hours sleep, if that. And this is why. Are we ready? By God, Donald Trump is the president-elect of the United States of America. Yeah. Yeah. I tweeted out last night that I did not need to be in front of a microphone as I watched the results come in. And I did not need to be in front of a microphone for several hours after things happened. I stayed awake. Until 3 a.m. when I saw Donald Trump step on the stage shortly after CNN finally announced that Hillary conceded. Donald Trump will be the 50 or I'm sorry, the 45th president of the United States. He won when he wasn't supposed to. For weeks and weeks and weeks, we sat here and we mocked him. We laughed at him during the debates. We made Jordan crying faces on him. Um, Saturday Night Live made fun of him. Everybody said, oh, he's so crazy. He's, he's a bigot. He's a racist. He's a sexist. He had all those horrible comments come out. All these things. Honestly, in my opinion, Donald Trump ran the opposite. Like the, I'm trying to think. He ran the unperfect campaign everything that went that could have went wrong for him did and Hillary could still not beat him is that because she's a woman and America was that determined not to put not only a woman but this woman who 
deleted emails into the office who lied so many times who and these this is just some of the things that I've heard about her being a crook and yada 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 I'm gonna be completely honest with you politics is not my forte it's not I can tell you who I like and most of the time to be completely honest with you I can't tell you the issues I just get a vibe I've only voted in 2008 and 2012 both times for Barack I could have voted I was I could not have voted in 2000 and in 2000 I was still too young 2004 I was registered in Hampshire County and I lived in Morgantown and I I tried to get them to update my voters registration and it did not happen in time so by the time 2008 came I was ready and I voted twice for Barack and I voted for Hillary this time I voted for Bernie in the primaries, though. So Bernie was the vibe I was feeling. But after that, I went with Hillary. And I said in 2008, I would have done the same thing. If Brock had lost to Hillary in the primaries, I would have voted Hillary. I think Bernie could have won this race. I feel like there was errors made in Hillary's campaign errors that were made that they didn't feel that her campaign didn't feel like they were making and that's why she lost several of the states that she thought going into last night she was going to have well now it's 12 24 in the morning two nights ago that she thought she was going to have I feel like she approached her campaign ads wrong I watched a Trump campaign ad the night before the election and it was cut like a movie trailer like honestly if the movie had been called Trump for President coming out November 9th or 8th 2016 I probably would have probably would have ripped it off the internet but if I was going to go to the movies this ad was so good that it made me want to see it as a film, not in real life. Hillary's ads have constantly targeted Trump saying crazy shit. Especially late at night, like bleeping out him cursing and trying to show him as a monster. I get it, I get it, but I don't think I saw enough Hillary ads saying, I'm Hillary Clinton, I'm here to do these things. There was none of that. And if there was, it missed me. By the way, this episode's now sp- sponsored by Natty Light. I'm not going, I'm trying not to take up too much of your time. We've been here for an hour and 38, and I appreciate y'all rocking with me. Everybody's terrified people were out protesting i am guilty of unfriending people i've been friends with for years on facebook i actually almost unfriended jonathan earlier because suddenly he thinks it's cool to say to a trump supporter or someone who didn't agree with him at this day was the worst day ever then i'm going to come grab you by the pussy now whether that context was meant as a joke which it seems that the girl took it that way i still called him out on that bullshit 
I don't care who's the president-elect. You don't talk to a woman like that. I don't care if you think it's funny. You don't do it. And as the father of a two-year-old beautiful girl, you're not going to do that around me. I've been in shock most of the day. Because I didn't think that this is possible. I had mentioned it was possible several times, Angel. Like, oh, you know he's going to win the election, right? She's like, shut up, he's not going to win the election. I was even saying this to her early on Tuesday night when things started coming in. And he only had like a... 10 point 17 point electoral college lead like yo he's gonna win these states like that's not gonna happen da, 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 da. and that's not how she really talks uh, and I'm I haven't listened to concessions speech as soon as he stepped on that stage last night I turned off the TV finally West Virginia went red. West Virginia normally does go red. What's sad, though, is Democratic counties like my mine, Montegalia, and Marion both went red. There's been such venom between everybody, whether spoken or unspoken, about this election. It's the reason why I'm unfriending anybody who is celebrating a Trump victory right now. And uh, it's not even so much that I'm not, I'm not that guy. I mean, it's cool. Like, I mean, yeah, a little bit earlier was like, oh, congratulations to president elect Trump. Blah, 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 blah. Yay. We sure showed all those double Democrats, didn't we? Unfriend. <laughs> I unfriend you. But if, like, you make a random joke about Trump winning, I check your timeline and you're not sitting there attacking several times about it, then yeah, I left you alone. I've been taking it serious, man. But here's the thing despite the fact that Donald Trump is our president elect. Barack still has two months. Hillary. I'll, I'll get to Hillary in a second. Here's the thing. As much as people are protesting right now, marching through the streets saying, fuck Donald Trump and he's not my president. <clears throat> he kind of is, folks. He kind of is. And there's no way around that. He won. Hillary, I don't know if it's officially been called. Hillary may win the popular vote, but he won the electorals. This man is going to be our president. This is going to be our country for four years, and this is the way that we voted. This is what we asked for as a country. 
So I'm not asking anybody else to get in arguments on Facebook or on Twitter or on any kind of internet. I'm not asking you to go protest something that can't that will not be overturned just because you're a little butthurt about it, like I am. I've been butthurt all day, I admit it. I am because in my mind with everything that he's done wrong and all the things that's come out about him, the fact that he still won the presidency is asinine to me. Especially after eight years of Barack Obama. And here we are now with Donald Trump, entrepreneur, businessman, host of the now canceled apprentice and celebrity apprentice and WWE Hall of Famer, by the way, is going to be our next president. Here's what I have to say at this point in the day. I'm mad as fuck about this still. I'm not happy. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to pay closer attention next time. I'm going to make sure that I'm letting people know how important it is in two years that we get the House, get more Democrats in the House, more Democrats in the Senate. I'm going to make sure they know how important it is in four years that we don't reelect this man. But you know what? I don't. I, I'm. I'm going to stray over to the fence of optimism for a second. Just what if these next four years are okay and Trump does a mighty fine job? Could I see myself in 20, 2020 casting a vote to reelect Donald Trump as president of the United States? Could I? Quite possibly. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. I'm sure there's plenty of people who said in 2008, I'll never vote for Barack Obama. And then when 2012 came, they went and voted for Barack Obama. Right now, the apocalypse has officially been, this is the official first shot of the apocalypse, it feels like. But the main thing is, as much as we feel like that, there has to be peace. As angry as I am, as much as I worry about all these things that he's awful said, things he said about building the wall and stopping Frisk and we're going to bomb the shit out of him, all of that stuff we have to move forward. Barack said it best today when he addressed it with his man Joe Biden by his side. It's super important that we come back together as a country and don't let who won divide us. Yeah, I lost some Facebook friends and yeah, I unfollowed some people on Twitter because of their views. But it's not on in real life when I see them. It's going to be, how are you? I haven't seen you so long. Yada, yada, yada. How's the kid? How's the family? Twenty sixteen election is over. And in a lot of our minds, the wrong person won. But then in a lot of people's minds, the right person did win. 
the main thing is is that we come together to move the country forward and we get over these dividing lines because in January the four years starts folks I feel like it was a lot of bad timing for Hillary I feel like if she could have ran in 2012, she would have had a better choice. Plus, I really don't think, I mean, obviously the Democrats wouldn't have had Donald Trump coming up. (laughs) They would have had Romney still. I think she could have beat McCain in 2008. It's just that the anti-Obama sentiment was so strong after eight years and anti-Dems. I really think the DNC made the wrong decision, though. Of course, there's the rumors out there. I don't even know if it's the rumors. There's stories out there of of Hillary rigging the primaries and votes that didn't get counted for Bernie and Bernie losing states on coin flips in the primaries. I think about my sister-in-law, Nikki, who's been one of the biggest Hillary supporters for years now, since her first run in 2008. Her and Megan, or a family friend, Megan and Angel, and may, may, I think it might have just been them. They went, well, I want to say Southern West Virginia to see Hillary speak in 2008 and they got a picture with her. Hillary could have won this election. But there had just been too much the paper trail and the the wrong the, the perceived wrongs that she had leading into this election by now it's just too much it's just too much I really don't feel like it had a lot to do with her being a woman I'm disappointed that it seems like the white women votes the white women the white women votes the white women voters the non-educated white women voters I saw I saw on CNN. This is an official stat. They all came out for Trump, and I'm, and I'm also going to say this: when she won the primary, and Barack and Michelle was all like, "You're about to have your first female nominee for president," and everybody's like, "Oh, this is historic for Hillary and everything." And I mean, eight years before. When Barack won it, like, oh, a black man has won, um, African-American has won the um, Democratic nomination. It felt like a giant step towards something bigger. Hers felt like she was literally at the glass ceiling, knocking with a pen. And as much as, once again, the jokes came out 
and everybody was so anti-Trump, according to what everybody was saying for the most part. There never felt like a point where there felt like a separation. I felt like there was going to be a close race. I felt like it was going to be close at first, and then as the night went on, Hillary would start taking a lead and then eventually win it. That Donald Trump, man. As much as I hate to say it, he won the presidential election. No non-government person, no non-military person has ever won the presidency of the United States. They've either served in one way or the other. Donald Trump has never touched government. And soon we'll be running our country. And as scary as that may be, we'll have to figure out a way, we'll just have to figure out a way to work, to make change work within his system. Well, not even his system. Make change work while he's in the system. And then find ways to make differences if things aren't changing for the good and we and things are going bad the way we expect them to be in two years and then in four years. One last thing. I need all of you to at some point talk to someone who voted. And if they come at you and and they don't have the balls to say, I voted Trump or I voted Hillary. I mean, it's it's none of our business. We don't have to share who we voted for. But if they're one of those people who are like, oh, well, I didn't like either one, so I, I split my vote. I respect your right to do that. And I respect that in some states, if that vote had went towards one of the candidates, it wouldn't have made a difference. But if I personally believe if you're not fully backing this third party, fourth party, whoever they are, if you're not riding for them, if you're really like, well, Bernie didn't get the nomination, well, Ted Cruz didn't get the nomination, so I'm going to vote for this person. That way I can say I was a part of the process. You're a part of the problem. We're a two-party system. That could change sometime down the road. But the main thing is, the main thing is that the next time we come to a presidential election or whatever election, and it's like, man, I don't like either one of these people. You pick the lesser of the two evils. Don't sit there and split your vote. Because it's, I don't know. It's almost like you just want your voting sticker, in my opinion. (sighs) Approaching two hours, damn. I'm sorry, guys. Sponsored by Natty Light. Okay, guys. Last thing I'm going to leave you with on this voting thing. 
dad always likes to say stuff about the candidates. He always would send emails and funny jokes about Barack or Bush, da da da, da. And, mom, and mom always be like, Daniel, I don't know why you send me these things. Because you don't even vote. Mom loved to vote. Mom might not even vote for the candidate. She would might split her vote back in the day when it really didn't matter as much as it did now. And, and honestly, again, it doesn't really, it did not really matter in the big scheme of things. It's just the fact that you go, you want to complain about Trump, you want to complain about Clinton, but yet it's like, I don't like either one, so I voted for this person. You voted for a non-factor. Why? Does that make you feel good? Does it? I hope it does. Seriously, if it makes you, if that makes you sleep good, 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 go, go sleep your little pretty head off. But definitely, don't come at me when any of your Hillary bullshit or Trump bullshit, yada yada yada. This country, this senator, this there, this government's trying to do this to me, and they got this out for me. Did you vote? No. If you did the worst thing of all and didn't go vote, mess me with all that. You don't get the right to complain. Mom always said to dad, you cannot complain if you don't go vote. And that's one of the main reasons I always do go vote. So that if I decide to complain, which I haven't since Bush. Even then, I didn't know the issues. I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, Bush. <laughs> we don't like that guy. At least I voted to say something. And the worst part I was thinking about when I saw all the protest going around the country and people cussing out Trump and he's not my president. And I'll never respect that man. I felt that same way this morning. I, I This morning, when I got back from dropping Lee off, I was like, you know what? If Donald Trump walked by me and he was with um, when he's president and everything, I'd be like, Donald, just the most disrespectful way I could. Just to do it. Like, you know, I don't respect you at all. And I want you to know it. But a lot of the people that are out protesting across the country saying all these things about we don't want Trump. Take Trump back. Well, let's let's impeach him. He's not even in the system yet, bruh. He's not the presidential. He's not the president yet. He's the president-elect. He, 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 he hears the thing. A lot of those people that's protesting tonight didn't even vote. And yet, they're upset about Donald Trump being president. And they just want to go protest. So miss me with all that. Miss me with all that. So this has been your post-election night coverage. Brought to you by Hyphenation, the greatest podcast in the world.
Talked about a lot of things, had a lot of fun, shed some tears. A few tears from moms. Barbara Jean Walker and Bonnie Conley. I miss you both dearly. I'm glad you're not here to see 2016. We also may be shedding tears over the results of the election. We may be excited about the election. But like the sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. This episode's sponsored by my red, white, and blue can of Natty Light. America, I still love you and I am here for you. If you want to get a hold of me, be hyphen on Twitter, B-H-Y-P-H-E-N. Resilient redundancy, resilient redundancy, resilient redundancies on Facebook. Be hyphen at gmail.com. You can comment on be hyphen.com. I'm going to do a viewer mail episode soon, guys. Pro- I'm probably going to do it before 30. So I'm going to make sure I let y'all know. I want to get actual listener mail, though, because I tried to do that with the promos by hyphen wrestling column. I got two two responses. One was Mark Bosquet. <laughs> Shout out to Mark, another listener of the show and friend of my myself, and Eric Greenley. And then I made up the rest. <sighs> Lord. Hug your loved ones. Kiss your mothers. Kiss your fathers. Mamas, don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. Just smile at somebody. You you never know what you smiling or you saying a calm word can do for somebody. If we remember that, we'll get through these next four years. My name is Kellen Conley. This is Hyphenation. Thanks, y'all.